It is Easter, isn't it? And I hope that uh, this has been a good week for you guys. It's been kind of a, it's been a good week for us, although it's been a little different because of spring break, and it's kind of felt to me a little bit like, I don't know, it's just been kind of a long week, out of the ordinary, but it's been a good week. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about the message of the cross, and I've been thinking a lot about Easter, which I know probably a lot of us have and a lot of, a lot of you have. And uh, what I hope happens this morning is I just share and talk about a few things that, that uh, are important to me and some things that I had to think about. You know, we send out a mailer to a bunch of people, and on that mailer is the same graphic that's on the front of your bulletin, and it just says, Easter changes everything. And uh, I really think that's true. I really think that Easter does change everything. I think what happened on the cross 2,000-some years ago and the fact that Jesus died on the cross and the fact that Jesus was buried for three days, that he arose again and he's alive today, absolutely, completely changes everything. It changes everything about your life. It changes everything about my life. It changes everything about your family. It changes everything about your friends. Or should I say, at least it should. And my prayer is today is that you just see kind of a new light, that maybe there's hope for you today, that you see the cross in a new way, and you see the cross and the Easter story and the fact that Jesus is alive, that you see it very personally, instead of just kind of this story that happened 2,000 years ago, that it's very personal to you, and it happened for you and because of you, and that it actually did happen, that Jesus actually did die on a cross, that he actually did die a horrific death. That he was beaten beyond comprehension. In Isaiah 52 it talks about that. It prophesies about Jesus being beaten. And it basically says, in, verse, in chapter 52 verse 14, it says this here basically. It says that he'll be, he's going to be beaten beyond recognition. That is, if we would have walked in on the scene, if we'd have known Jesus well, that he would have been beaten so bad, we wouldn't have even been able to recognize him as who he was, or even as a human being. It says that people were appalled, or were going to be appalled by the way he looked. He was punished for your sins, and he took your sins and my sins, and he bore them, and he died on a cross. And we know it's real, and yet we don't stop sometimes and think about exactly what happened, and the fact that it really did happen. And at this point in history... Years and years and years ago, there was amazing things happen, happening. In fact, the most important thing that has ever happened. And that our calendar is dated by what we're celebrating today. That all across the world, whether people realize it or not, every day, every time they write a date, they're referencing back to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to just read you. So we know he died on the cross, and we've talked about that in the last couple of weeks. We know that he was beaten, he died on the cross, he was buried, he was dead. And we know what was happening with the disciples and the followers of Jesus. They thought it was over. It didn't make any sense. Nothing was lining up with the way they thought it was going to work out. They thought Jesus was the Messiah. They thought he was the next king, that he was literally going to reign in Jerusalem, that he was going to restore Right? The Israelites, the Jews, back into power. And so they were in a tizzy. Nothing made sense. They were in despair. It was a dark couple of days. 
Everything that they believed had kind of vanished. And we pick up the story in Matthew 28. In the first 10 verses, is a resurrection story. And I'm going to read you all 10 verses. And I want you to just hear this. I want you to place yourself, if you can, in this story, in this setting, in this time of history. So it says in Matthew 28, verse 1, it says, After the Sabbath, so it would have been on a Sunday, because their Sabbath was on a, on a Saturday. After the Sabbath, at dawn, early in the morning, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. It says, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. So it wasn't this secretive thing. It wasn't this sneaky Sneaking out of the tomb, it says there was a violent earthquake. People knew something was happening. There was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. And going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone, and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. Scared him to death. Scared him to death. The angel said to the woman, so the women came up. The angel said to the women as they came up, Do not be afraid, for I, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. And then he says the most amazing words to these women that they had ever heard. In the most powerful words that we will ever hear. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Come and see for yourself. He's gone. He's not here. He's not dead. He is risen. And then he, and then he gives them more instructions. He says, then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead is going, and is going on ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. It's an amazing story. And those of us that grew up in church have heard that story over and over and over again. And it becomes just a part of our Christian or Christendom or whatever you want to call it. It just becomes a part of who we are. And we don't really read the story. And comprehend what it is. You know what's interesting? Is that Jesus made a statement in John 12 verse 27. He was talking to the disciples and he was telling them about what was about to happen. And he makes this comment in verse 27 of John 12. He said, it is for this very reason. He's talking about his death In his resurrection, he said, it's for this very reason I came to this hour. In fact, what's going to happen to me in the next couple of days, what's going to happen to me tomorrow, whenever it is, Jesus said, this is why I've come. This is exactly why I came. This is why I came as a baby. This is why I started a ministry. This is why I healed people. This is why I cared for people. This is why I loved people. I came so that I could die on a cross, so I could be buried for three days, and so I could be risen again. This is why I'm here. This was like the defining moment in Jesus' ministry. This completed it all. 
This was his mission. This was his destiny. You know what's interesting, and this may not mean a lot to you, but I found it interesting as I was studying this week, is that two of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, two of the Gospels speak of Jesus' birth. All four of the Gospels speak in detail of Jesus' death and resurrection. In fact, if you would take all of the Gospels and put them together, a little over one-third of all of the content that is in the four Gospels, is dedicated to the last week of Jesus' life. And then the book of John is actually, if you would, if you would see the book of John in a movie format, in a movie, you would see the first half of the book of John almost in fast forward. It would go very, very quickly through Jesus' life, and then the last half of the book of John would slow down almost in slow motion and would concentrate the, the entire half to the last week of Jesus' death. This is what the gospel is all about. This is why we're here. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. And not just what he did on the cross, but what he did after he was on the cross. And the fact that he rose from the dead. And today we celebrate that fact and that reality. And you know what? I really do believe that Easter changes everything. I think the fact that it's a reality ought to change your life. And if you're here today and you've never changed your life, it should change your life. And you ought to allow it to change your life. And for some of us that have been Christians for years, we need to maybe let it freshen us. We maybe need to let the change change us some more and kind of refresh us and help us to remember some things. That it has changed. That it should change. Because it ought to change us. It ought to make our lives different. We ought to be different people because of the God that we serve and because of the fact that Jesus died and was buried and was risen from the dead. Man, you could talk about all kinds of things of what has changed, and I don't know what kind of comes to your mind of what changes because of the Easter story. You know, the, one of the things that we hear so many times is it gives us, us the ability to live in victory, and I believe that with all my heart. That we have the ability to live in victory. Here's the thing that we forget as Christians is the same power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is still available to you and me today. He's the same God, with the same ability, with the same heart. The Bible tells us that he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's exactly the same God. So the same power that this story took place, that that made this story take place, is available for you and me today. Man, what if we could tap into that kind of power on a daily basis? And we could live with that kind of victory. With resurrection power. See, for most of us, it's hard for us to even comprehend that. And the list could go on, but I want to talk to you about three things today that I think it changes. And I'm going to try to make it practical so that we can take it out of here and we can use it. But three things, I just wrote these down and I thought, you know, this is one of, these are the three things that resurrection means to me this year. 
As I look at my life, as I look at the life of people, as I look at the life of our church, and as I look at your life, and the first one in this in your outline is I believe it changes from death, it changes death to life. From death to life. Obviously. It changes things from death to life. Revelation 1, verse 18. I love these verses in the message um, translation. Jesus is speaking and he says, I'm alive. I'm alive. I died, but I came to life. Isn't that awesome? And my life is now forever. And then he says something so important, so awesome. He says, see these keys in my hand? They open and lock death's doors. They open and lock hell's gates. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm alive. I have died, but I'm alive. And not only am I alive, is I've won the victory over death. And man, we could go all kinds of directions when we talk about death. We could talk about physical death, actually dying. And as we get older, and as some of you get older, and as our parents get older, it becomes a reality, doesn't it? That life is going to end. And this verse, the fact that Jesus died, was buried in the ground. He won the victory over death. So it really means this. It really means we have nothing to worry about when it comes to physical death. Jesus has already been there. Jesus has already experienced it. And if I've allowed Jesus to come in and clean my heart, there is no fear that needs to be associated with death. You know, I've always been amazed when there's been older people and you guys, I know I talk about this all, all the time, but my folks are both 81. They're going to be 82 this year. And both of them still have a will to live. They want to live. But I was talking to my dad not too long ago, and uh, when my dad, those of you, I don't know if you know my dad very well, most of you probably don't, but my dad is, is, uh, um, is he's a very emotional guy, and the older he gets, the more emotional he is. So he, his heart just continues to get softer, and I think he just becomes more and more godly. He can hardly pray at the supper table with his family without crying. And uh, when my dad gets sick, when he gets sick and gets weak, and he gets get weak very quickly because he's got bad lungs and it doesn't take a lot, he immediately thinks he's going to die. You know, he just thinks he's on his way out. And so that's where his talk goes, and he does things like he starts trying to give us kind of these last speeches to the family. And, and it's all good and it's fine, but, but uh, I was talking to him not long, too long ago, and he said, I just don't want to die yet. And we were talking, and I said, Dad, would, are you scared of dying? I mean, you know, because honestly, at some point, he is going to die. And he said, you know what, Eric? He said, I'm not scared of dying. I have no fear, really, of death. Because I know where I'm going. And I know where my relationship is with Jesus Christ. And the fear isn't related to that. His fear is related to what happens to, to my mom and leaving her by himself. And I've always looked at older people like that. You know, my wife's grandpa, granddad, everybody knew man was the same way. He longed to go home. What he called home. He longed to go to heaven. He was just ready to go. See, that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, I hold the keys. I've been there. I know what it's like. There doesn't need to be any fear. 
You know what I think we do as Christians too much? And some of you may take this wrong. I think we make way too big of a deal out of death. What's so bad about dying and spending eternity with Jesus? Seriously. Why are we so fearful of death? And I'm not saying that death is not a big deal, but I'm just asking a question. What is so horrible if I would die today and I would spend eternity with Jesus Christ? Yeah, you know what I would... That sounds like, okay, I don't care. I do care about my family, but my family would be very well taken care of. I wouldn't be with them. But honestly, you know what I'm saying? If I would die today, you know what I would hope you guys do? I would hope you would all come to my funeral and actually celebrate. You can cry with my wife a little bit. But celebrate and say, you know what? He's with Jesus. There doesn't have to be any fear in death. There doesn't have to be any fear in sickness. Let's take care of our business on earth. But let's be ready to live in eternity. Here's the other direction I think you can go with this whole concept, that it leads from death to life. And this is what I think is so important, maybe even more practical for you and I, is this next verse. John 10. Verse 10. This is one of my favorite verses of all time. I love this verse. Especially the end of it. It says, The thief... That is Satan, or your spiritual enemy. He comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. That's the only reason that he comes. Is to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. And then in contrast, Jesus says this. I have come that they may have life, and that they is you and me. That you may have life, not only have life, but have it to the full. Here's my question for you today. For real. For each one of you. Are you really living? Are you really, really, really alive? Or are you just surviving? And listen, I'm not talking about I had a bad day or I had a bad week. Because we, there's, there's seasons of life. But I'm talking in general. When you look at your life, would you say, I'm really alive? That I feel alive. I'm excited about life. That I'm really living the abundant life. Because if you're not, if you're not, then you're not living the life God designed for you. And I say that boldly because of what Jesus says here. I I did a little research on this verse, and this is what this verse kind of means when it talks about life to the full or abundant life. And some of these things I just love. It means to live on a higher plane. It it means to live above average. It means to be above mediocre. To have real life. Life, another commentary that I read says, life with advantage. I love that. Life with advantage. That I'm living life and I've got an advantage because Jesus is on my side because he's inside of me, because I'm experiencing the abundant life. Do you have moments? Do you have moments when it is just awesome to be alive? You know what? The other day I was, and you guys get so sick of these illustrations and I don't really care, right? But I was on a bike ride with my son, with Ty. And I don't even know where we were, but... 
I'd, lo- I'd, lo- I'd love to do that. It's my, it's my therapy. It keeps me from going to the psychiatrist, okay? It's how, what keeps me healthy physically, spiritually, partially, and emotionally. And we were riding the other day, and we were going down this long grade, and it was probably a 2, per- two or 3% grade, and we were flying along at about 27 miles an hour. And it was awesome. The wind was blowing, the mountains were in the distance, and I let go of the handlebars, and I went like this, and I just hollered, and I was like, it is so good to be alive. It is so good to be alive. You know what, that, and that's just a physical kind of illustration, but I think God, I think Jesus wants you and I to live that way. It doesn't mean that we don't go through seasons, and it doesn't mean that we don't go through hard times. But in general, Jesus said, I've come not so that you can survive, not so that you can just get by, not so that you can kind of roll out of bed in the morning. No, I've come to give you life, to give you abundant life. That fires me up. Life with advantage. Life that's eternal. There's the other slant on this. But here's what's awesome about the eternal life. You know when eternal life begins? It begins now. Did you ever think of that? Your eternal life begins now. You're an eternal being. God has come. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give you life abundantly or to give you life to the full. It's awesome. Are you living life? Are you experiencing life? Do you feel alive? The second thing in your outline is this. Is it changes and takes us from bondage to freedom. From bondage to freedom. Galatians 5, verse 1, says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. To live a free life. And here's my question with this one. Are you free? Are you free? Is there freedom in your life? Is there freedom in your heart? Is there freedom in your emotions? Are you free from addictions? Are you free from anything that would control your life? Are you free to love? That's a deep question. Are you really free to love the people that God has placed close to your life and close to you? Is there freedom there for you to embrace them and to give yourself With no reserve. Are you free to forgive? And then maybe the better question is, are you free to be forgiven? And I would say this, if you're not free to forgive, you'll never be free to be forgiven. And here's the big one. Are you free of worry? Do you know what I think one of the most crippling things in the Christian church is? That we are guilty of as Christians, and I believe that it's not just a problem, I believe it's sin. 
I think it's the sin of worry. See, we think of sin as adultery and fornication and stealing and homosexuality and all these horrible things. You know what the Bible tells us? It doesn't suggest it. It commands us. It says, don't worry about anything. Listen, I know there's balance here. So don't take it way off the deep end. But it's what it says. It says, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. This is why do we worry when the birds have everything that they need and God provides for them? How much more does your heavenly Father care for you than he does for the birds? If you want to read about worry, turn to Matthew 6. You can write this down and study these verses. It's a whole bunch of Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Talks all about worry. And it tells us over and over and over again, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. God will take care of it. And listen, it doesn't mean that we don't plan. It doesn't mean that we're foolish and we don't care. It just means don't allow the worry of tomorrow and what is maybe going to happen that is all completely out of your control. Don't let it steal the freedom of today. Don't let it steal the life out of today. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. I've come to give you life, and I've come to give you freedom. Don't let worry, I think it's one of the biggest things we struggle with as Christians, don't let worry steal it away. Easter changes everything. And I'm not even speaking of from bondage to freedom. I don't have enough time this morning. That's not even going to the place where I'm talking about bondage of sin. And the freedom that Christ gives us from sin and the consequences of sin. And the bondage of it and what it does to our lives and what it does to our families. And what it does to the church and what it does to culture. Complete freedom. I've come to bring you freedom. Somebody told me I needed to do the freedom cry from, is it Braveheart? Is it Braveheart? Yeah, I'm not going to. But it would fit. The question I would just ask in that whole thing is, are you free? Is there a freedom in your life where you're free to be who God wants you to be? Are you alive? Are you free? And then the third thing I want you to think about today, and this is where we're going to land this thing, As Easter changes everything, it changes us from being tired to rested. Changes us from being tired to rested. And my question would be simply this. Are you here today and are you tired? Has life just got you wore out? And to go home and to climb into bed... And sleep, and I'm talking physically, emotionally, spiritually tired. And to go home and to climb into bed and sleep for two days. Take no phone calls. Just rest. Sound really good to you. And you know what? Here again, we go through phases. 
and we go through seasons. I'm talking in general as a whole. Are you tired? And you need rest. Well, there's an amazing verse in Scripture that talks exactly to that. And again, I have this in the message translation. A couple of verses in Matthew 11. It says, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Then he says these incredible words. Come to me. Just come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Isn't that awesome? Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that awesome? You know, we go through life, and we pick things up that weigh us down. It can be things that happen to us, things that, ha- that we do to other people, whatever it is. And if we're not careful, we're not arrested, ready to go Christian. 